0: we had this whole i I just unpaused it this whole time we almost finished the entire pod and uh i the being the giant idiot i am uh had it i'm so
1: sorry that's the that's a first thats you've never done that before i don't think no
0: i literally now our god damn it
1: our pod better be perfect now yeah the podcast is not perfect now i'm gonna show up with a nine iron at your house with a nine iron With a nine-iron. With a okay, okay. with a nine-iron in your house. With a nine-iron in your house.
0: Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ.
1: Take two. Take
0: two. Here we go. All right. Thousands of years ago, during the Earth's last ice age, most of modern-day Wisconsin was covered by an ice sheet. As the ice sheet over Wisconsin eventually melted as the planet warmed, new geographic formations were carved out, radically altering the character of the Midwest's landscape. But one portion of the state was comparatively unaffected, as it did not have ice covering it a large chunk of western Wisconsin known today as the Driftless Area. It is this area that coincides with much of Wisconsin's 3rd Congressional District. Wisconsin's 3rd District is large. How large exactly? Clocking in at around 13,500 square miles, it's the second biggest district by area in the state, containing 19 full or partial counties in total. From Menominee to Platteville, Eau Claire to Prairie du Chien, Stevens Point to River Falls, the district stretches over a good portion of Wisconsin's western and central landscape. When driving through Wisconsin's third district, enjoying its scenery of verdant meadows and vast fields, one notices plenty of farms and dairies peppering the landscape. Agriculture is still a vital economic engine in this mostly rural district, though the ownership structure of farming in the area has shifted away from small-holding family farms toward more consolidated corporate holdings. Dairy is still king here, but the milk and prized cheeses that make Wisconsin world famous are increasingly made by fewer producers. In the process, dairies that sometimes have been in families going back to the 1800s are being shuttered for good. And, like the dairy industry here, the political winds have also been changing. Opening the way for an extremist who was present at the attack on the Capitol on January 6th to hold a congressional seat. Wow. Welcome back, everyone.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Um This is take two. This is take two. We had a, a bit of a technical error, so we're we're all we're we're back, we're ready, good to go. Um so I guess I'll I'll get right into it and explain what we're doing here with these pods for the next two months or so as we go into the fall election season. Uh, Basically, we want to give people a primer on what's going on with Wisconsin politically um, and how some very dangerous people are trying to gain power here. Um, And we've decided to focus in particular on the Republican congressional candidate for Wisconsin's third district. Uh, We'll get... We'll get more to that in a bit, though. Yeah. Uh, so, For Emerson, sure. do you have something to say?
0: I would like to say that because I, I said it before. I have to say it again. I missed this, and I'm glad to be here with you and with with uh, and with whoever's listening. Um, but yeah, I think this is a very important time to get back into uh, get back into the podcasting. So yeah. Um, heck yeah, my brother. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked a lot in the past about shifting voting patterns throughout Wisconsin, um, especially since Donald Trump won the state in 2016 and then lost in 2020. Um, we've also talked over the course of previous podcasts about why Trump won the state against Hillary Clinton in 2016 and lost it against Joe Biden in 2020. But maybe you can recap that again really quickly, Connell.
1: Yeah, Uh, So we have talked about this at length in previous pods. We have a series on the 2020 presidential election in Wisconsin. We also have a series on the 2016 presidential election, though that one focuses more on just the election generally. Um, Basically, Trump won the state in 2016 because of unprecedented rule margins for a Republican presidential nominee, at least in recent history. Uh, So you have dozens of rural counties. In Wisconsin, and these rural counties are filled with small towns that cast, you know, fewer than a thousand votes. And you know, in 2008 and 2012 and before, these towns were maybe you know 55, 45 GOP, or about 50-50 even between the parties. And Mm. in 2016, they shifted dramatically, becoming more like 60-40 GOP, 65-35 GOP. Um, So this enabled Trump to carry the state by about 23,000 votes, or about one percentage point. Uh, And I'd further note that this mostly continued in 2020. Uh, Trump, in dozens of rural counties, uh, got more votes than he did in 2016. You know, there were some exceptions to this trend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Heavily Native American areas shifted to Biden. Um, Areas with histories of environmental activism. uh, Areas that have a very tourist... Dependent economy. Uh, Those areas didn't either, they either didn't shift much or they did actually shift to Biden. Mm -hmm. But the broad trend in rural Wisconsin was true. Um, Throughout it, Trump mostly improved his performance over 2016. Uh, So what did him in? He did worse in suburban and urban Wisconsin compared to 2016. So we're talking counties such as Dane, where Madison and its suburbs are, uh, Milwaukee. Uh, Brown, where Green Bay and its suburbs are, uh, Waukesha, uh, Winnebago, Eau Claire, La Crosse. All these counties showed shifts to Biden, helping him to win the state by about 21,000 votes, or again, <laughs> by about one percentage point. For
0: sure. Um, so how does Wisconsin 3rd fit into all of this? Um You know, it's got a a Democratic representative, Ron Kind, currently, but he's retiring at the end of this term. So um, I guess what what shifts have we seen in Wisconsin third?
1: So the shifts here haven't been as dramatic as other parts of the state, but they have definitely still happened, Um, you know. To use Obama 2012 as the benchmark here again, he Mm -hmm. won Wisconsin's third district against Mitt Romney by a margin of 55 to 44. Uh, In 2016, though, Trump flipped the district, winning it 49 to 45. And it's worth noting, actually, that that year, um, Ron Kind ran ran unopposed. He's always outran the top of the ticket for Dems by big margins, so just goes to show his comparative strength in the district um, and how even that has shifted in, in recent times. And
0: he ran um, he ran you know, unopposed because the Republicans didn't think it was worth running anybody?
1: Exactly. That, you know, if Kine can win in a year like 2014, which was very bad for Dems, or in 2010, which was very bad for Dems, that he's going to be winning in 2016. And I do think had they run a candidate, they they would have lost, mm-hmm. but they probably would have been surprised by the margin comparatively. Um, so, you know, in 2020, this trend did continue. Um, Trump didn't dramatically improve his performance at Wisconsin's third, but he did still improve it. So in 2020, he won the district against Biden by a margin of 51.5 to 46.8. So... You know, 2016, margin is 49-45 Trump. Um, In 2020, the margin is 51.5 to 46.8 Trump. So that's a shift of about four points to five. It's still a shift. Mm -hmm. Uh, So basically what I would note is that this district, like other rural Wisconsin districts, has a good number of Obama 2012 Trump 2016 voters. Um, And I'm going to use this small town that I've never actually heard of uh, never been to just to show the starkness of, of these shifts here. Uh, so we're going to look at the town of Marietta. Um, Marietta is located in Crawford County. Uh, that's kind of near the La Crosse area. Very agricultural county. Um, the biggest town in the county is Prairie du Chien. So we're, we're talking rural Wisconsin here. And so it has cast... 300 votes in the past, three presidential elections, Marietta. In 2012, Obama won the town by a respectable enough margin of 52.6 to 45 uh, against Romney. Respectable. And then in 2016, Donald Trump won the town by a margin of 60 to 33. And then then in 2020, he won the town by a margin of of 64 to 34
0: come on marietta why are you doing
1: this yeah and the thing is is there's scores of towns like this throughout wisconsin's third i'd also point out you know where we often emphasize margins over raw votes when we talk about political data on the pod Mm -hmm. but i want to show just like how this can add up in the republicans favor so in 2012, Obama won the town by 144 votes to 126. Then Trump won the town in 2016, 156 votes to 87. So that's a net of 69 votes in Trump's favor in 2016. Get your jokes in. Right. <laughs> um, and in 2020, he won the town 190 to 102 So he went from netting 69 votes uh, out of the town to netting 88 in 2020. And you might say, okay, well, what's the big deal? You just said it casts 300, uh, fewer than 300 votes. That's true. But there's scores of towns like this, hundreds of towns like this in Wisconsin's third district um, and Wisconsin at large, right? Wisconsin has you know, like 1,200 municipalities. It's a very large number and most of those are very rural places. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, this is one of the more dramatic examples I could find, but it's not that unusual. Um, So, you know, worth keeping in mind that, you know, you net 20 or 30 extra votes from towns and you have hundreds of those towns, that adds up to literally thousands of votes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think sometimes uh, liberals and and socialists, they might dismiss the power of the rural vote. But in a state like Wisconsin, as we've talked about before, the rural vote is about a third of the state's electorate. It is big. Mm-hmm. And so you, you do have to watch it. You can't just be like, oh, we'll just juice the turnout in the cities and we'll be fine. And it's like, hmm, about that. <laughs> but... There you go. Um, going to sources of strength for Dems in the district, there are still Dem strongholds in the district, um, but those these days they're mostly cities, um, mm-hmm. larger cities with universities like La Crosse and Eau Claire, and also larger-sized towns with universities, um, such as Menominee and River Falls. Dems will often clear 60% or more of the vote in these areas without sweating it too much. Got you. Um.
0: I think that's a good segue for uh, discussing the recent political dynamics of the district, along with this guy running for the seat on the Republican side. I hear he is a swell fellow. This guy called Derek Van Orden, right? Good, cool guy. Good guy.
1: Hell yeah. Damn Derek (laughs) back at it again. Um, Yeah. So first thing, is that Derek Van Orden has already run for the seat. He narrowly lost to Kind by three points in 2020. Um, This was despite Trump carrying the district. Kind is one of the few Democrats who survived 2020 in a Trump-carried district. There were only seven of them. Mm. Only seven House Democrats uh, represent a district that Donald Trump won in 2020, and Ron Kind is one of them. So what that means in practical terms is that kind was able to convince thousands of trump voters to still vote for him but it was also still a comparatively close call for him uh so you know the shifts kind is not immune to these shifts despite being a comparatively popular incumbent who does fairly well for a democrat with rural voters Mm -hmm. but this pod we want to talk about why we think Derek van orden is bad news in particular Uh, a bit of background on him is that he's an ex Navy SEAL who, among other things, has been in the news for screaming at a teenage library page for displaying LGBTQ books for Pride Month, uh, pranking women he served with in the Navy by showing them another guy's dick. I'd like to I'd like to note here oh, okay. that in my outline I have the word "dick," but I, <laughs> I did a little more research. I remember this story being fairly big news uh, in 2020. Uh, because he wrote about it in a book. That's that's how we know about this. What? Um, but yes, yep. He wrote it in a book. He put that in a book. But apparently, actually, it was not the guy's penis. Uh, it was the guy's ball sack. Oh, I much, apologize much for better. this gross factual inaccuracy. <laughs> I apologize deeply for it. I feel such a. A sense of dishonesty and shame
0: i think you should Um, apologize uh, to derek
1: van orden i will i'll give him a handwritten note uh oh and by the way we're not done listing his uh, accomplishments oh uh and using campaign funds to attend the january 6th rally that centered on donald trump's embittered lies about the 2020 election he lost um uh, van orden himself has been pushing election conspiracy theories backing the bullshit claim that trump did not fairly lose wisconsin Mm -hmm. and as far as his attendance at the january 6th uh attack uh he claims that as soon as the rally that led to the attack became a violent mob intent on attacking the Capitol, he left that was a statement he put out right after it happened but (laughs) and here is the but His own social media posts with pictures of him that he took shows that that's not actually true, that despite claiming otherwise, we have pictures of him beyond the police barricade line that got breached by the attackers. In other words, he was still at the Capitol when violence began, in contradiction to what he claimed, and advanced partly toward it with a mob of embittered conspiracy theorists. So, you know, in a nutshell, if I had to summarize this guy, I'd say he's a conspiracy theorist. He's a liar, and he a man. Who, and he's also a man who attended a rally that led to an attack that killed several people, including a cop. Uh, so mm-hmm. <laughs> the purpose of this mini-pod series will be to expose his antics for Wisconsinites and people beyond Wisconsin, for all to know. Uh, I speak for both of us when we say that we both believe. Derek Van Orden cannot become a congressman. It would send a dangerous message and embolden further the conspiracies that have been spread by former President Trump and his Republican allies. So we want to close out the pod that despite noting some of the, the trends working against the Democrats in this district, it, this district can still be won by a Democrat, State Senator Brad Foff a former chief of staff, Ron Kind, and Governor Evers, former nominee for Wisconsin's Secretary of Agriculture, is running for the seat to succeed Kind. Um, mm-hmm. Foff is a center-left Dem who has made rural issues a particular focus of his campaign, such as mental health support for farmers. And, you know, basically, this is actually a guy who will try to deliver for this district's economy and workers, not engage in endless culture war grievances and conspiracies, which is what Derek Van Orden very happily does. Um, He is bad news. I I truly think, honestly, I think he is a bad person. You know, I I try to avoid lobbying that kind of thing in politics, but it's like, no, this guy is really bad news. He cannot be allowed to become a congressman. He does not deserve the privilege of representing this district's people. Not at all. So, and
0: we at the Great Purple State, again, speaking for both of us, we at the Great Purple State officially endorse brad foff for wisconsin's third congressional district um we hope you'll tune in for our next episode where we're going to be doing a deeper dive into derek van orden and his many many antics and lies um and along the way we'll go deeper into the politics of wisconsin's third district and hopefully make people feel like they have a better understanding of contemporary issues that the district is facing
1: Beautifully said, my friend. Um, and I'm going to close out this pod with a simple message: uh, Vote Brad Foth on November 8th. Defeat Derek Van Orden.
0: Beautiful. Wow, take two was uh, was very smooth, smooth and speedy. This might be a 20. I think this is a 20 minute podcast. That's maybe our shortest wow, okay. ever.
1: It is.